Oh, out of control. So there I was. Episode number 27 to be aired on 17 November. Title repeat. Never talk to the boss again. Never talk to the boss. <laughs> <laughs> long man, long oh. man once again. And oh, this is a fun episode. He is an amazing storyteller, and it was a fun episode, uh, starting with some antics in Al-Yadid, as I recall, Fig. Six-gun Sally. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just got to hear that that portion of the episode. (laughs) So before that, he was a full-time support guy in Willow Grove, and he had an amazing story there. Tease that for us. That's a, a story I'll call an approach article waiting to happen. Jumping Jehoshaphat, what were those boys thinking? <laughs> right. <laughs> For those who aren't familiar, Approach Magazine is the naval aviation safety magazine that comes out every month. And Grandpa Pettibone. Grandpa Pettibone. Yeah. He, his favorite saying is, jumping Jehoshaphat. What were those boys thinking? What were those boys thinking? That's that's all we can say. What were they thinking? Uh, clearly, Lawman wasn't thinking. He was just doing what he was told. Don't yeah. think, do. <laughs> and he's lucky he survived to tell the tale. Oh, my gosh. Right? I was squirming. I was squirming in my seat listening to that part of the story. I think he said somewhere in there he shot the second worst tacky-in approach in naval aviation history, second only to the general who was in his back seat who shot the worst <laughs> approach <laughs> in naval aviation history. <laughs> right? Oh, man. And then we got into some of what we uh, had reached out to him in the first place for, the fact that he became a blue angel. And those guys, they were they were amazing professionals, but they were relentless in the teasing to include his very first time he got to take a blue jet up. You aren't allowed to wear your blue flight suit until 10 minutes before getting to walk out to the airplane as a newbie. So he goes down and he's in a time, he's got this very set time crunch he's got to make and he gets down to the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run it. Don't run it. No, no. Poor bastard. <laughs> I know, right? So he takes off on that flight leading. And then what happened? Fig? He got smart, right? He was going to help everybody out. That's right. Lesson learned from that is never talk to the boss. Don't do it. It's not going to end well. (laughs) Never talk to the the boss. Episode 27. Don't sit on the ejection seat. Handle, folks. The world's smallest cockpit. Hang on. On the tanker. Through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing all that day. So I kind of lost track of you for a while there, well, man. What, uh, what, what did you do in Afghanistan? Flying. Were, were well, you flying uh, uh, a Gulfstream or something? No, no, you know, my, uh, my first tour there was actually was a, as a full bird colonel in Afghanistan um, as the senior Marine liaison, Marsent. 
for both and OIF and OEF. Were you in uh, Were you in uh, Bagram or Kabul or where were you? No, I was mostly uh, living the, the easy life with the Air Force at uh, Qatar, uh, Al Udeed. Oh, Al Udeed, you're in Al Udeed. Oh yeah, man, it's a great story there too. So Al Udeed yes. is Air Force getting <laughs> oh, combat pay. I'm oh, living in a brick and mortar BOQ. I got two rooms. I got TVs. I've got Wi-Fi. I've got a right. Dairy Queen, a Burger King, Pizza Hut. I got a right. full size gym. <laughs> Looks like Gold's Gym, you know, yeah, LA right. Fitness. There's oh, women. There. There's a, it's oh, you amazing. know, there's, yeah. Yes. There's a pool. Remember the brawl? You could get three drinks a yes. day. Uh, yes. You know, the muff and all that. And, sure. And you could do outdoor pool with a jacuzzi right outside the dairy. You could, at, in combat zone, in combat pay, you could get a blizzard dessert and go out and <laughs> dangle your legs or hang out in the jacuzzi. <laughs> Or swim in the pool with NATO chicks. I'm talking about right. Air Force, French, Canadian girls in bikinis, sunbathing. They got their sometimes they got their straps undone like you would like any beach. And you know, I'm like, what? Am I in a combat zone? Where then are I would, we? Then I would jump on a Marine Corps C-130 or, or something like that and go to Afghanistan and live. And in be the, well reminded or, of who you were. Yeah, right. and with, you know, go with Brigadier General Nicholson, who was uh, commanding general of the uh, the the Meb four in afghanistan in 2009 he's living in a tent in a cot in the dirt and moon dust you know <laughs> right and, I'm, and so uh, uh the marines were having trouble with the roe the roe in afghanistan was much stricter than the R- rules of engagement than it was in operation iraqi freedom in that right, right. you'd almost <laughs> kill anything in iraq you know indiscriminately almost you try to avoid civilian casualties but afghanistan was really strict so uh, you had to have every I dotted, every T crossed to get a bomb off a jet, especially a NATO jet. Good luck with sure. a French jet or Canadian jet getting to drop a bomb. So it really became frustrating for the Marines in, in 2009 to get bombs off NATO jets on bad guys who were killing Marines or trying to kill Marines. And at one point, this Fulbert Colonel Regimental G3 operations officer, infantry guy, called the, the, the Air Force on the phone at Al Udeed and Cutter, who, who's running the air show, you know, they tell you when to drop a bomb, when you can drop a bomb, you know, uh, with a lawyer involved too, right? Kind of a lawyer's got to be involved. Right. And they were trying to drop a bomb on this pickup truck that had a, a bomb builder, IED builder, who was racing toward the Pakistani border. And they knew that if you get to Pakistan, he's home Gone. free, man. He's Gone forever. Sanctuary. Right. So the Marine Corps had a positive idea in his guy. They've got to kill this guy before he gets to Pakistan, but they won't drop the damn it was actually a prayer to their reaper overhead with a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a bomb of some type, you know, GP or something like that. So a drone. Uh, yeah. LGB. But it wouldn't release it until the Air, the Air Force chain of command and the, the lawyer said, yeah, do it. So we're getting closer and closer to the border. And this Air Marine Corps colonel just goes apeshit, calls the CAOC, the Air Force Operations Center, and says, I want to, if you don't put a bomb on that truck, and that truck gets in the packs, I'm going to come there and rip your fucking head off and shit down your throat. <laughs> <laughs> to this Air Force colonel who yeah. probably broke down in tears. Oh, yeah. uh, he tells the, the, the three-star general that this Marine colonel yelled at him, threatened to kill him. He assaulted him. <laughs> and so I get called in by the uh, three-star general. I said, lawman, you got to go explain to the Marines how this works over here. So it's not Iraq. You really got a lot of rules here. So they send me to uh, Afghanistan. They call all the JTACs in and all these guys here. Here's how you get a bomb off a NATO jet. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to say. Here's what you got to do if you want to get a bomb off a jet. All these ROE and I'll explain it to them. So a lot of these guys, you know, are Harrier guys. You know, they're JTACs. You know, they're Ford Air Controllers, right? Dirty. Yeah, right. yeah. They're all in combat gear. They're filthy dirty. They brought them all in on helicopters to meet with me at this friggin' tent at this weapons tactics conference, essentially, if you will. 
and explain how to get a bomb off a NATO jet or a reef or a predator. And so one of them goes, hey, lawman, how's life in LUD? Some hair your guys think. Don't ask. Oh, hey. I was embarrassed. I go, let me tell you about my, my BOQ room and the Dairy Queen, Pizza Hut and all this. And right. the chow halls and the gymnasium and full court basketball. Oh, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And you're getting combat pay? Yeah, sure, I'm getting, I'm getting combat pay. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, let me tell you about Six Gun Sally. So when I was at the uh, Air Force Operations Center, these Air Force guys said, hey, have you been, have you been in the pool yet? He go, yeah, I've been. He goes, have you seen Six Gun Sally? I go, no. Who's Six Gun Sally? He go, oh, man, smoking hot Air Force captain. The rocks is tight, tight, teeny white bikini. She's like a world-class aerobics instructor. And she has two, like, 1880s, you know, Smith & Wesson or Colt handguns tattooed to her hip bones with the barrels pointing into her crotch. Right. So the, we- the barrels disappear into the her bikini <laughs> bottom. Yeah. And they called her Six Gun Sally. Yeah. No one knew her real name. Why wouldn't you? So I went to the pool one day and holy shit, there she was. No, and they weren't kidding. Rock star body. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this girl is gorgeous. Drop dead. Yeah. Oh my God. Six gun Sally, man. <laughs> so I tell these Marines in Afghanistan, it's temple of dirty Marines about six. Gun, oh, okay, sir. You gotta, you gotta get us a picture. You gotta go back <laughs> to the deed and get us a picture. And one guy gives me, his, I'll give my email address. And I'll make sure everybody here gets it. If you send us the photo, uh-huh. I said, you know, I, I can go back and I'll tell Six gun Sally, hey, from the Marines in Afghanistan, I have no idea how they heard about you, but they heard about you. Want a photo of you and me standing arm in arm. And so <laughs> I could send to the Marines to motivate, you know, the Marines. Yeah. And I told them about, I saw NATO chicks in the pool too playing chicken fights. I mean, I'm not kidding. This actually happened to the D. You probably saw it big. Yeah, I saw not... guys with girls on their shoulders yes. in the pool yes. playing chicken fights. Like, yes. like you're back in a college fraternity or sorority yes. party right yes so i told him about the chicken fights and they go hey sir here's the money shot put six gun sally on your shoulders in the pool and get a picture with the six guns pointing at your head <laughs> I, go, I said okay i said i would do that i would do that for you marines yeah except for i send you that photograph on the internet this is 2008 or 9 yeah 2009 15 minutes later in Virginia, my wife gets yeah. a copy of that photograph with her husband, uh, husband the Marine yeah. Colonel, forward deployed with some smoking hot chick on his shoulders in the pool. With some, yeah, not good. Not, go, good. not good. So, no. you know, of course, in the Marines, very innovative. Go, hey, sir, you're right. Don't get in trouble with your wife. Here's the money shot. Put her on your shoulders, but turn her around so she's facing your face. <laughs> All we see, see is the back. Face. We see the back of your head, but her six guns. <laughs> In the front of her, face the camera. That was the money shot. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that was I said. Oh, that may not. That may not happen. But yeah, that was uh, my first uh, uh, Afghan tour. Then I went back uh, with Second Marine Corps uh, Wing forward under General uh, Walters Bludel, who ended up being Assistant Commander Marine Corps. Great guy. Yeah. And uh, while I was there for a year, I had the very good fortune because uh, I'd flown search and rescue helicopters in Yuma as a base commander for three years, C-12s, the King yeah. Air. Yeah. And F5s for three years. Uh, he knew I was a hairy guy by trade. He goes, hey, lawman, you want you can fly everything over here. Fly with these uh, squadrons. Maintenance, morale, standardization, how they're doing. Fly with the skippers. You can write a combat fitness report. I'm saying, I've flown with this guy in combat. Sure. You know, it's a really good deal for you and them. So cool. uh, in Afghanistan, my last tour as a full bird colonel, as the assistant wing commander, I flew 18 hours in the Cobra. Uh, flew the, uh, in combat, flew the Yankee once. Uh, four-bladed Yankee, Huey, 
I flew KC-130Js 30-some hours. I flew 30-some hours MV-22 Ospreys. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I flew the 53 Delta. I flew the 53 Echo. uh, And one one Apache, because the Brits were for us in Helmand Province. I got one Apache flight in the front seat, an HD. That is awesome. Uh, Yeah, pretty good. I got it. So it was a pretty good deal. I got to do some pretty cool stuff as an old old Marine colonel. In fact, the CFAC came in, the Air Force in charge of everything was meeting with General Walters in his little, you know, uh, Marine Corps plywood hut, you know, office in right. Camp Leathernook that the CBs had built for us. And uh, he's the general in charge of all aviation in Afghanistan, right? You know, the CFAC, yep, you know, yep. commander of yep. uh, forces, air, air, you know, air forces, everybody, including us, essentially. Yep. And we're shooting the shit. I'm in there with him. Hey, sir, I got to leave. Good seeing you again. And he's, he was shot down in F-16s over Serbia. And I can't remember his call sign, but a really good guy. Ended up being the Air Force uh, chief of staff, Piper guy. But um, he said, what are you going to fly? Well, because I mean, he knew we had Harriers in Kandahar. I think 223 was there Yeah. at that time. And uh, I said, no, I'm not flying a Harrier. I'm going to go fly a Cobra today or whatever. He goes, Cobra? He goes, well, you're a Harrier guy, right? I go, yes, sir. He goes, are you flying a Cobra? Yeah, I've been flying Cobras, 22s, C-130s, you know, and he goes, oh, holy the hell, man. He goes, I am the three-star commander, and I can't fly anything over here. And you're going, <laughs> he goes, you Marines, they got different rules. I know. You know, he goes, it's, hey, it's, it's said, in the Marine Corps, whoever owns the airplanes, if you've got a set of wings on, he says, go fly my airplane. Just don't fuck it up, right? Go fly right, my airplane. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. So, Naval aviation, a, you can't beat it. Yeah, not a bad deal. All right, so so we got to get I, uh, we, all this time. We've got we got some other stories we got to get to. Well, so here, so here, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into this. Things rolling in. There oh, I'm rolling in. I'm rolling in hot. Oh, so I'm on a El Centro Weapons Dead. I'm an instructor down in Kingsville, Texas. We're we're in at um, you know, flying TA force, teaching students. It's in uh, like January. And uh, the Blue Angels are out there doing their winter training. I don't even put two and two together that you are in the uh, you're uh, you're number two Blue Angel guy at the time, right? I mean, oh, really? I knew okay. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew it at the back yeah. of my mind, but I kind of forgot. So I, I'm uh, it's it's middle of the day. I'm in between sorties. Obviously, you're in between sorties. I I'm coming in. You're going out of the barbershop or exchange or something. We damn near knock each other over. Like, holy shit, lawman! Holy fish, shit, yeah. fake! What's going on? And then, so, uh, you grabbed me and said, Hey, you know, uh, you need to put in an application in And I'm like, application for what, yeah. what are you talking about? He goes, well, for my job, you know, this is my last year on the team. Yeah. So tell us about <laughs> how you got on the blue angels and being a blue angel. And what, what was that like? How, yeah. How does one, that was just, blue angel? that was just a happenstance. I mean, bizarre circumstances. So I went from desert storm being made three thirty one. I was the first Harrier pilot back at Cherry Point. Cause everybody else is either back on the boat still. America came back with, with Woody. Right. So I came home early. Everybody else is still waiting to you know come back home. And uh, the group commander at Cherry Point, the mag, it was, was the 32 still then I think it was mag 32. Yes. Canine uh, uh, said, Hey, long man, come right. see me. So we, we, shoot the shit about the war a little bit and he goes hey you've been here five years you got to go somewhere you know so he goes um get yourself set orders so i called the monitor that day and hey i want to i want orders to training command oh training command that's great i need you guys so he said where do you want to go what do you want to fly i said meridian ta4j's two years he goes you got it so the next Boom. day i got orders to ta4j's yeah. meridian i go i'm gonna fly airplanes man i don't want to go to you know amphibious no. warfare school no no who wants to do I, that i want to go to school i'm gonna fly airplanes so 
the very next day, K9 calls me back. He goes, hey, Lom, I got a better deal for you. Good for you. Training command. He's all for it. He was supporting that. He's I got to send a guy, a captain, to Marine Aircraft Route 49, Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, with a reserve A4 Mike Squadron to be the operations officer, the fix, you know, the, the active duty guy. Yeah. Take care of business. Um a reservist, and I, I can't afford to send these guys who just transitioned the rule A4 Mike guys who are now Harrier guys because they got to get their Harrier time to be to be credible and competitive as a Harrier pilot because A4s are gone from active duty. Yeah. He goes, but you have tremendous a- AVAB credibility, so you can afford to go be an A4 pilot if you want. What do you think? So I went home, talked to my wife real quick, and said, Yeah, sign me up. So I went back. So the very next day, I get new set of orders to. Mag 49, Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, and they go there to fly the A4. And the deal was A4 Mikes for a year and a half, parked those jets in the boneyard, and then a year and a half in the Hornet F-18 transition. Come on, who, who would pass that deal up? Right. right. So so that unit was trans, going to transition to the Hornet. Me may want, yeah, because uh, the Gators already had done that. Uh, one of the other. Um, yeah, down in, uh, Mike, yeah, down in Jacks, uh, right? Or they went somewhere. from Jacksonville, I think. To, they went to uh, Atlanta, I think, eventually. Okay, yeah. yeah, but the Gators had. The F-18 took a hold. Man, sign me up. A4 Mike, single seat, attack jets to the Hornet. Shit hot, man. I'm going. So I go to Willow Grove, and um, they had these two pieces of shit TA-4Fs, Vietnam-era two-seat jets. Yeah. And because I had flown the TA-4J since the training command, they said, you got to get one two-seat ride before you go. Single seat Mike. No, no ground school, no Sims. So... Uh, kick the tires, uh, light the fire. Yeah, man. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll segue in that real quick. So I'm, I'm waiting to fly. I got there in November. I uh, didn't fly because the only T-bird was these, and not knocking the major airline guys, but there was two full bird colonels there on the group staff or something, you know, staff weenies are doing something, augment guys who were retiring soon from Marine Corps Reserves. And, they're, and they were A4 guys forever. And they wanted to get their 2,000 hours, whatever it was in A4. And they were taking the only two-seat jet we had a piece of shit old airplane and they'd go bag 10 15 hours on a weekend across Take, together the yeah, two together yeah two, yeah and then <laughs> yeah you know keep you out of trouble and then bring it uh-huh. back broke so then the jets broke the rest of the week you know and they fix it and piloting yeah. command time i'm sure right. yeah and it oh, was yeah. you know and the and the group commander who was an old a4 guy nickel was his call sign good guy but he was you know he's taking care of his brother a4 guys and here's his active duty captain begging to fly and i can't go fly because he's reserve wainies are taking the only good jet and breaking it so, so christmas uh comes and goes and we came back in january you know you know the reserves all take block leave yeah and right. they all come back and uh schedules out i'm not on it again I'm like damn it but this two-star general was i'll say general let's call him george all right so he was a senior marine aviator in all the marine corps reserves flying airplanes and he would fly yeah. he was an old a4 guy and he would snivel, you know, request to fly certain dates. And, of course, they're going to yes. take care of this two-star. Car lined up, BOQ, here's the jet. And it was a night T-bird flight, just two hours of fam, get his night, you know, bags in nighttime. Yeah. Well, it was wintertime. It had a major snowstorm came through. There was snow and ice everywhere. This captain was supposed to fly with him was a Northwest guy, major guy, who didn't make it in. Couldn't commute in for some reason, weather, whatever. And so brief time comes and goes. The only other guy there was this three-year contract guy who was a weasel, uh, who was the only guy I ever know that that washed out of 203 twice. What? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was possible. 
Yeah, he uh, washed, He was an A4 guy, and then he flew OA4 mics with Hams 32, then yes. he went to 203 as a captain. Yes. yes. And I went through his law books. I had all his law books at, at Willow Grove, and I went through it and see what happened to this guy. And uh, what was this called? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, I went through his law books, and you see like FAM 100, FAM 102, 103, one, you know, FAM 103, refly, FAM 104, FAM 105, FAM 105 again, you know, multiple flights of, you know, which means reflies. He was. Yep. Fell in flights and then reflying. Then you could see the, by the names he was flying with all the heavy hitters towards the end. The right. OPSO, the executive officer, the commanding officer trying to get him through the program. And then right. there'd be this big gash through his logbook. No further flights, VMA 2203. <laughs> <laughs> then you go to the next page and he's back in the OE4 mic, you know, flying the mic again. So he washed out, but then he married the commanding general's daughter. Oh. Second mall. Wing commanding general's daughter. So some 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 sheer miracle. He gets a second shot That's at the hair your rag. Unheard of, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know that was even possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not making this up. This even is a, via family ties. This is a factual, it's a true story. And so he goes back to 203. And it's the same thing now again. TFAM 101, 102, 103, 103, 104, 105, 105, you know, I mean, just multiple flights. He drug him out. He had multiple reflies uh, with the skipper at the end. I mean, again, trying, you know, everything he can to get this guy to fly the Harrier <laughs> safely and efficiently. Not happening. Cannot pass a safer solo flight check. Oh, my gosh. And then the same thing, big gash, ruler job, and no further flights, VMAT-203, back to A4s. Hook, call sign Hook. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll good. Go with that. you got the hook. Good call sign. The Hook goes, and he's a nice guy. He's computer geek, smart, brilliant, IT kind of guy, you know. Yeah. Really smart guy. He's now at Willow Grove flying A4 mics as a full-time three-year contract guy. Then I'm the active duty guy. So but he was a seagull. He would not fly unless it was Kavu. Sure. Perfect airplane. Everything's just right. So he was so there the that seagull night. Seagull is something by definition that squawks and shits and you have to throw rocks at you it. You throw you rocks at it to go fly. fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So he was not gonna go fly. And it was nighttime, it was snowing. And he's the only other guy. He's a qualified A4 pilot. And the general's waiting. He goes, I need a pilot. Go with me. Oh my gosh. And so Hook starts to cough and sneeze, like, <clears throat> you know, hey, I got yeah, this. Don't, I can't clear my head. You know, I'm, I, I got a cold, you know. So all of a sudden he a goes, thing. he's immediately met down, you know. <laughs> I got this head cold. But hey, so the general points to me. I'm in the ready room hanging out, Done nothing else to do at night. And uh, what about that guy? Who's he? What's Captain Hancock? Lawman. He's a hairier guy, but he's here to, he's with us now. Well, shit. Hey, Lawman, you want to go fly? Oh, yeah, sir. Shit, huh? Yeah, go fly. <laughs> so Hook uh, scratches out the flight schedule, puts my name in there, pen and ink change, and signs it. Because he was the opso. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm going to go fly with this godlike, you know, general's yeah. been flying this jet for decades. He's going to show me some shit, you know? Sure. So right. we're uh, suiting up in flight equipment, and he goes, All right, long man. He goes, Here's the deal, man. I'm going to, he had no brief. He goes, You're going to be in the front seat, I'll be in the back seat. We're going to fly down to uh, Atlantic City, do some uh, tack-in approaches, come back to Willow, uh, Willow Grove and do some PAR uh, instrument approaches at night, you know, back about two hours and call the night. We'll be done. I go, oh, that's great, sir. I said, but, you know, I really think I should be in the backseat. I'm not a qualified A4 that guy. I don't, have start, I don't have to even start the jet, <laughs> you know? And he goes, this is a two-star jet. I go, God damn it, long man. He goes, you're in the front seat. I'm in the back. You go out there. Just strap me, get the plane cap, and tell you how to start the damn jet. I'll get the walk around. So 
<laughs> I go, oh my God. I'm thinking, you know, my, I'm putting my flight here very slowly now going, I'm a flight time whore, man. I'll fly anything anywhere, but this is like, this is stupid. This is like jumping Jehoshaphat's. This is going to be an approach yeah. magazine article. Oh, this that. is good. This is an approach article waiting to this happen. This is an approach article waiting to happen. The stupid Marine Harrier guy going flying with his two star general at night in a snowstorm. Jumping Jehoshaphat. So I dutifully, I, I sir, <laughs> walk out in the dark through the snow, walking over, you know, plowed banks of snow. No. Playing this Lance Corporal who's shivering his ass off cold, you know, got to launch this stupid jet at night. And I walk up and say, hey, I'm Captain Hancock. I said, I'll be in the front seat tonight with the gentleman in the back. He go, Any how do you start, to start this, thing? this thing? He goes, you got to be shitting me, sir, right? I go, no. I'm not. I didn't know how to start it. I knew it was a whole different thing, you know, with the ground cart and all that and electrical. One and finger, two finger, three finger. One finger, two finger, three fingers. Yeah, and the four whole thing. Oh, my God. He gives me a quick brief. He thinks, are you guys stupid? I'm, I'm always thinking, you guys are stupid, right? I go, I know. Yeah. Just, he's up in the front seat. Uh, it's got power in the jet, but there's the whole right side of the uh, uh, cockpit is blanked out. There's no lights. The whole there's no lighting on the right side of the jet. I get my flashlight out. You know my little navy issue light for your transponder and your radio yeah. and all that. Yeah. And uh, everything that's supposed to be lettered or numbered, like you know placards, this is a Vietnam era TA4F. Oh, it's all like it's obscure. And off, Nothing right? is. I can't read a damn thing. So if you don't know what it is, you don't know what it is. Oh, Nothing shit. is marked. Oh shit! This whole black side. So I go, what the hell? <laughs> he gives me the brief, and then the general walks around. He jumps in the back seat. Remember the canopy on the TA4J? You know, so you got open oh, sure. you know, sure. uh, seats between like the two guys. And, clamshell lifted straight yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so he goes, all right, let's start this damn thing. It's cold as shit. So, all right, sir. You know, so <laughs> one finger, two, three, and, and we get this thing started somehow. Remember the uh, 5% around the horn hit the igniters and right. yes. put it at the idle, and the engine starts some, by some miracle. We get everything disconnected. and Generator like comes online. Yeah. But then we can't talk. He's yelling at me. They go, what the hell? So no ice, no ICS, no intercom between the two of us. The headsets. He's yelling, damn it, close the damn canopy. It's cold as shit. So remember the mousetrap? Yep. Yep. Yeah, the yeah, little trick with the handle. Yeah. I kept bringing it down, but then I couldn't get it. I had to finally figure out, oh, yeah, man, you had to, you know, jiggle the thing to get the come past the mousetrap. So can't be right. clear. Get the damn canopy closed. We can't talk. And so he's yelling at me with the, you know, <laughs> through the open cockpit about shit and the plane cabin's trying to do this, you know, check the flight <laughs> controls and stuff. And I go, he, and the general calls for the clearance, clearance delivery. I hear that. I hear UHF just fine. The yeah, radio. You can't know. Yeah, no, ICS. I know YCS. I go, what the hell? And he's yelling at me. I'm checking my comm cords and plugs and pigtails and all that. And I go, we're not going to take off. You know, so we, we do taxi out though. He said, taxi, damn Jack, get him to the run. We'll figure it out. We'll sort it out before we take off. <laughs> I remember one point I had to power the jet, the nose tire over a hump of snow, like a plowed. This is like over snow this to get, and then the main mounts over snow to get to the taxiway. This is crazy. Right. We taxi down the runway. And remember the T4 has no brakes, no, no uh, put, uh, parking brakes. You got to hold the brakes. Right. Right. So I'm holding the brakes on this downhill slant of the general. We're planning to play the radios and stuff. Finally, he says, oh, man, let's just get airborne. We'll sort it out airborne. He yells at me. All right, so we take the active runway. We clear the takeoff, and we punch. We get airborne. I'm in the front seat going, okay, I'm just going to cop the power. And about 150 knots, I'm going to pull back on the stick. I'll get the gear up, and we'll go flying. So we get airborne, and uh, at about 400 feet, we're in the goo. IMC, complete IMC. Yeah. I remember the TA4. I went from the head, heads up. I'm being a HUD cripple, Harrier guy. Right. So heads down airplane, all it's steam a, gauges. It's an emergency procedure. Ab Abba Jabba. You know, where's, yeah. where's my VSI? Where's my airspeed? Shit, where's that? You know? And the general's yelling at me. And I go, what? We level up at 4,000. He goes, ice. 
we're picking up icing. I look at the intakes, which are right there behind you. And you see all this like rime mixed icing. We're in icing conditions at 4,000 feet <laughs> in Philadelphia. This is Philadelphia. Right. And he's, uh, we got to He goes, get the climbs. he's trying to get clearance to get us to climb ATC. But this is the Philadelphia, you know, yeah, high you're not density. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're motoring at 4,000 feet. And he's yelling, turn the ice on. Turn the ice on. I'm going to yell over my shoulder. Where's it at? He goes, by your right side, by your right side. I reached down and grabbed. There's no, I, it's dark, completely right. black void. I grabbed a switch and I moved it forward and it dumped the cabin pressure. You know, oh, it was like shit. ram air, okay, which is not a big deal, 4,000 feet. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes, that's the wrong switch. I, go, oh, <laughs> I know that now. So the next switch I grab, you know, I grab another switch near it and I move it and my seat moves up and down. <laughs> so I'm moving my seat adjust. <laughs> oh, dear God. That's not it. The general is yelling at me. I'm grabbing switches. I'm fl- throwing switches blindly. We finally climb out of there. We get VMC on top. The icing goes away, thank God. Cause, and uh, we motor down towards uh, uh, Atlantic City. He takes the jet. He goes, you know, shakes a stick. You know what I mean? I got yeah. the jet. I I got my it. hands yeah. go up. You got the airplane. And he's yelling at me, fix your goddamn ICS. <laughs> okay, got it. So I've got my flashlight. I'm looking around. I go, what the hell? I can't. He shoots a tack-in approach to Atlantic City, which is the worst tack-in approach I've ever seen. And I'm trying to figure out. Which one is a tacking needle? The one or number two needle? Remember that? Oh, yes. The one yes. needle was ADF, one was tack in. Just two needles. Yes. Yeah. On yeah. the HSI. I'm going, which one's a tack in needle? ATC, we were so far off course, they're yelling at us. You know, Viper, whatever it cost them was, go around, go around. You get way off course. And so we go around. He gives me the jet and he goes, all right, long man, you shoot an approach. So I shoot the, the second worst tacking approach in the history of naval aviation. Uh, well, it is. yelling at us <laughs> oh my maybe god not, maybe not as bad as his are pretty bad we get waved off we go back to willow grove heading back to philadelphia we're at altitude things are calm he goes god damn it long i got the jet back fixed the god dang ics so i finally calmed <laughs> down i got time now and i start playing around with knobs in front of me on the console by my right knee and i find these two knobs one is an out bigger knob and that's oh my god that's radio volume that's uhf radio volume Loud, you know, not yeah. so loud. I get the inner knob. Nice. I see, oh, ICS check, loud and clear. Holy cow, it was the freaking volume knob, <laughs> <laughs> which is completely obscured. Yeah. So, what about the knob fly- in front of you that left the damn volume all the way yeah. down. What a jerk. <laughs> anyway, so we get back to Willow Grove and he's flying the jet and I think, okay, we're going to do, he was, hey, law, let's just do one PER to a full stock. It's 200 and a half snow. Blowing snow. I go, that's great, sir. This is going to land this jet, get it over with. Yeah. Right. Good idea. So about that 10 miles out on final on a PAR approach, you know, where they talk you down. Of course, remember that? Yep. Controller talks you down. Left and right, glide slope, calls. He goes, right, little man, you got the jet. I go, I've got the jet. I go, for what? He goes, for the approach and landing. I go, I haven't landed on A4 for, I don't know, six years. So he goes, he goes, well, make this one a good one. He goes, oh. he says, I can't land this jet in the backseat at night. That's why you're here. I go, you got to be shitting me. Oh my so I flew, you know, put the gear down, flaps, never armed the spoilers. I forgot about that because Harry's doesn't have spoilers. No, no. Nope. And uh, nope. I flew uh, 150 all the way to touchdown. And thank God we stopped the jet and turned off the run. We were done. But I got my ass chewed the next day by the, the full bird colonel. 
uh, who's active duty guy, who found out that Captain Hancock, who's not a qualified A4 guy, went knife flying with the commanding general, who was not qualified either to be solo at night. That's why he he needed a young qualified A4 guy to take him flying at night to they keep him out of trouble. Pilot. So there was, was no, not one qualified A4 pilot in that airplane. No, I mean, not at night. No, not, <laughs> not at night. <laughs> it was anyway, long story. That was, that's my introduction to flying, uh, A4s and Willow Grill, but it was a good deal. Flew the mic, had a blast. We How started parking. segue into the blue angels. I, yeah, well, here's going... the deal. So we're, we start parking the jets in the boneyard, uh, and headquarters Marine Corps says, Hey, change in plan guys. You guys aren't getting F-18s. What? what? Everybody goes nuts. You know, you're going to you're going to park your jets in the boneyard and you're going to roll the flag up. You're going to go away. Wow. You guys are all going to find other jobs. You go do whatever you want to do. And so <laughs> so I called the monitor, who's a major uh, fixed wing monitor. Hey, sir, uh, Captain Hancock, you know, hey, what about me? I said, oh, I got a year and a half to do here after we park the jets. I go, you're going to send me someplace else to go fly airplanes. He laughs at me. He goes, no fucking way. He goes, you're going to spend the rest of your time on the group staff as a staff weenie flying a desk at the group headquarters. And then because all you've done so far in the Marine Corps is fly jets, your next set of orders is going to be duty, not involved in flying a staff job. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at four and a half years of not flying based on what right. these guys telling me. Yeah. Well, what the heck? So I was pretty despondent about that. And one of my reserve pilots, who's a the North guy, you know, major guy walked in one day and holds up the message board. Hey, law man, here's some F-18 orders. I go, what? He goes, the blue angels. I go, yeah, right. That's going to happen. I go, I laughed it off. He goes, hey, man, give it a shot. So these air, airline pilots, two or three of them, really kept kind of egging me on to give it a shot. Yeah. So out of desperation, you know, I had seen the Blue Angels fly, and I thought this was pretty cool. I never thought I'm ever going to be have a shot at being a member of the Blue Angels as a right. your guy, this and that, whatever. Although uh, T-Bar, Kevin Lover, uh, 542 WTI, had been a uh, Blue Angel successfully okay. Okay. Yeah. and done a good job flew a good jet for two years and so um out of desperation i called the blue angels the applicant sauce who was a marine at the time uh uh solo pilot who was who, who was that bumper naval academy bumper. grad oh yeah bumper yeah 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 boxing uh, naval academy boxing champ really you know that really, was uh that was luke that was luke's uh one of luke's buddies from the academy yeah 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 in fact, Thumper went on to be a got out of the blues after the blues and uh yeah. Marine Corps. F-16 guy in F-16 like, guy, uh, Montana Guard made like, general. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he did great. Yeah. Bumper was a very big personality, just a great guy, funny, really uh outgoing guy. So I called Thumper, hey, you know, quietly, hey, can you send me an application? Yeah, well, man, he knew me from the fleet, you know. Yeah. I get the application, I filled it out, I had to have my commanding officer's endorsement. That's one thing I need. So I had to go to my skipper, who was a reserve guy, airline guy, majors. Ended up being a chief pilot in New York and a uh, great guy, Axe. Axe endorses. I asked, hey, sir, please keep this quiet. Don't tell anybody in the score. And I'm actually rushing the blues. Just keep it between me and you and I see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Hey, Lawman, you got it. So, but I need a jet this next weekend to go rush. You know, once I, you know, so I went right. to Sanford, right, Florida. Right. He gave me a jet and a credit card. It was a drill weekend, right? So I disappear on a Friday or Thursday, go to Sanford, Florida to meet the blues. You got to rush. They got to meet you in person. Right. Right. Got your application, I'm, all that bullshit. I'm familiar with this, Lawman. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar know, yeah, with yeah, this man, whole you know, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I go down there and <laughs> park my A4, and uh, I go to reception that first, like, Friday night at some club, right, or some Air Blue Angel yeah. reception, you know. 
And of course, right. all the Navy guys from Cecil Field, all the Hornet guys are 2,000 hour, 1,000 hour Hornet patch, you know, hours and Top Gun patches and, and a bunch of Marine F-18 guys were there and, you know, a couple other cats and dogs like me. And I remember, I'll never forget, I'm standing amongst all these applicants, you know, all these fighter pilots, you know, top, you know Hornet guys with three or four of the Blue Angels, including Dino, who's a slot pilot, who is six foot four, big guy. Right. And uh, somebody was buying beers and somebody starts handing beers out. And some guy, some Navy pilot hands me a beer. Hey, here you go. I say, hey, I appreciate that, but I don't, I don't drink beer. I'll go get myself a Diet Coke or something. And the guy out loud in front of the Blue Angels. And everybody goes, why well, you don't drink beer? Well, God damn it, the Blues ain't going to hire you because you, you at least got to be a social drinker. <laughs> I go, well, I'm not going to drink a beer to be a Blue Angel. Sorry. I apologize. Don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm going to go get a Diet Coke or something. Yeah. So I go, I strike one. They go, well, apparently you got to drink beer to be a Blue Angel. So, well, <laughs> holy shit. Well, and the Blues well, didn't say anything. The Blues, I learned this later on. They don't, there's no feedback, right? You know that, Fig. Yeah. They're just yeah, watching. No. They're just yeah. watching and observing. I have no idea if that's true or not. So I think, well, strike one. And then Dino, the six foot four Blue Angel, walks, hey, so he sees my patches, you know, hey, what are you, what are you flying? I said, I'm, an a, I'm flying A4 Mike's at Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. He goes, A4 Mike's, Willow Grove. He goes, isn't that a reserve outfit? Oh, yes, it is. But I'm active duty. Now, he's thinking like tar, you know, Navy contract guys. With Yes. I said, no, I'm not a contract guy. I'm a no kidding active duty. But no, like, you're not qualified. You're not a qualified applicant. Law. I, mean, I hate to tell you this, buddy, but you got to be active duty to be a Blue Angel applicant. I go, yeah. I am active duty. He goes, no, you're not. <laughs> so no, he walks away. I go, well, I shit, that's, that's strike two. That's two strikes. That's two strikes. The, uh, the, the, the freaking... You know, slot pilots thinks I'm not qualified to even be here. And then I, so I hung around the rest of the week and dejectedly. And then I got my little A4 mic and flew back on Sunday evening back to Willow Grove. And of course, all the airline guys are gone by then. They escaped, you know, from drill weekend. But yeah. on the, I parked my jet, go inside, do the paperwork on the whiteboard in the ready room was a sign. So we put on white whiteboard. Hey, lawman, the Blue Angels called and said, next time, bring more beer. <laughs> oh geez. that's strike three oh, shit. and then the monitor calls me probably the next day monday and says hey captain hancock i see you applied to the blue angels and said yes sir he goes pull your application you you're wasting your time you're wasting your time you are not going to the blues no matter what you you will fly that desk for another year and a half once you park those jets and you will you you took three of your orders <laughs> and you're gonna stay and we'll go for three orders you got me captain hancock I said, so you can't make me pull my app, right? He goes, no, I can't make it. I'm telling you, strongly advise you to pull your app. You ain't going to the blues. Click. You know, <laughs> so I go, up, you know, so I was going to quit. But, you know, these airline guys, I told them what happened afterwards. I go, oh, man, just don't quit yet. Go to another show. Yeah. Try one more show. So I went to a show in the Detroit, and there wasn't many horny guys hanging around. So I got a little more time, FaceTime with. Dino and some other guys, and I said, Hey, and I showed Dino my ID cards. And let me see your ID card. He pulls it out, and we compared ID cards because you know, see? reserve ID cards are a different color, right? Right, so this is go, the same. I go, Exactly, Fig. I go, Look at my ID card and yours. They're like, uh, I go, Active duty. He goes, Oh man, he goes, Okay, I apologize. He goes, So you are qualified to be here. So yeah. now I'm a qualified applicant. I did one more show at Cherry Point, uh, and then they do the finalist selection, right? So I got lucky got selected to be a finalist where they bring typically three guys per position is open. So three Marines, the one Marine slot and all these Navy guys down there. And then they interview you. And the hardest part of that is the 16 B one interview process. So all 16 <laughs> officers interview you 
uh, at one point. Uh, they bring you in, they, everybody shakes your hand, and they sit you down, and uh, they put me in a chair at the very end of this long conference room table. And when I sat down, somebody, I think purposely, had lowered the chair as low as right. we could go. Oh, yeah. I'm like way down here, you know, I'm looking <laughs> at the table right above my eyes and they're all looking at me. <laughs> I'm trying to find that damn lever, move the chair up, you know, like, are they fucking with me? And then they start rapid firing your questions, right? You know, and anything goes, they can yeah. ask you anything. Sure. And so I'm answering questions best of my ability and, uh, you know, and you're a little bit nervous, of course. Um, but um, one of the uh, fat Albert guys, man, shot me in the face unexpectedly, a bird brother, a Marine. Yeah. Come on. Say, hey, long man. He goes, uh, tell us a funny highway patrol story. So I'm thinking, funny highway. I'm thinking, I got a hundred highway patrol stories because everybody's got stories, you know. Yeah, but sure. a funny one is different, right? It's not like, hey, tell us a story about the highway patrols. Tell us a funny one. I got 16 guys looking at me, like, make a, make us laugh, long man. I go, holy shit. So anyway, I won't bore you with that story right now, but I told a story and thank God they did laugh. And uh, you walk out and think you're a complete idiot. Like I was a complete moron in that interview. Sure. Go back to, you know, we did the swimsuit competition, right? We called it the swimsuit competition. You go to the beach and you hang out and you water ski and you play volleyball and you cook hot dogs and, and hang out with the guys, horseshoes. But, you know, they want to see you in a swimsuit to see, hey, are you fit? You know, are you working yeah. out? That kind of, we call it the swim. Well, I didn't know at the time, but they call it the swimsuit competition. Sure. Go back to Willow Grove and um, then the team makes the decisions and they vote, right? It has to be... Yeah. Uh, unanimous vote to get you on the team. They all debate back and forth. And why do you like this guy? Why do you like that? And there, I was competing with two other uh, Marines, one snake who was a tall, good looking Hollywood kind of guy, Mr. F 18, 2000 hours, top gun. Sure. I even told snake down there in Pensacola, man, they're going to hire you. I'm not going to, I'm just here as filler, you know, yeah. I'm not going to hire me. Yeah. They're going to hire you, man. You're, you're the guy. So I was convinced it was going to be snake. And then there was another guy, a prowler guy actually, who was rare, but he was another, Distinguished Flying Cross recipient from Desert uh, Storm, prowler guy, really good looking guy, too sharp, you know, looked good, talked good. So I go back to Willow Grove and um, uh, I had to take the uh, Marines to the rifle range that Monday to Fort Dix, New Jersey. And so the Blue Angels call. The boss calls, hey, I'm going to speak to Captain Hancock. Some Marine Lance Corporal, hey, sir, he's at the rifle range. The rifle <laughs> range? He's a pilot, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, sir, he's a pilot but he's, he's at the rifle range he goes, yeah, rifle range holy shit <laughs> well tell him the blues call so click i get back from the damn rifle range i'm the safety officer right range safety officer and i got a yeah. sticker hey the blue angels call and they okay to call and tell me no thanks yeah thank, thanks thanks for uh thanks for trying yeah yeah so tuesday the phone rings hey sir it's the boss of the blue angels uh i went over there and it's boss woolridge yeah he goes, hey, long man. And hey, boss here. He goes, hey, I want to tell you, first of all, you did a great job as a finalist. Team really loved you. Good reputation. Really enjoyed meeting you. He goes, you know, but really tough competition, as you as you know. It's really a tough selection process, and it's really difficult to make that final cut. He goes, you know, but really enjoyed meeting you. You're a great guy. You're going to have a great career. you got a great resume. You're going to go on to do great things in the Marine Corps. So what do you want to, what are you going to do next in Marine Corps? Oh, here we go. Uh, you know. Well, I'm going to try to get a flying job, do this or that. And he goes, hey, I, they almost called me. i got to put you on hold. So he puts me on hold. Click, 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 you know, waiting. Oh, my God. And Marines like, oh, I didn't make it. They, you know, they didn't pick me. And so I wait for a while, and he comes back. Hey, long man, sorry about that. That was the Admiral. He goes, anyway, I want to tell you again what a great job you did. And we want to wish you the very best and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wait, the Admiral's calling again. So I pushed me on hold a second time. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I'm just trying to be polite, waiting, waiting, waiting. He finally comes back on the phone. He goes, all right, long man, sorry about that. He goes, 
Well, anyway, wish you the best of luck. He said, and uh, one more thing. I go, what's that, sir? And I didn't know, but he had, he was on speakerphone in his office and all the other 15 officers oh, sure. on the team were there with them. And they all yelled at the same time, welcome aboard, asshole. And I thought, wait, what was that? I go, is this a joke? Now I'm thinking this is a joke, right? He goes, no, Lyman, we picked you. I go, what the hell? He goes, we'll call you later. <laughs> Click. So the best part about that story was I got a phone call soon afterwards in the monitor shop, headquarters of Marine Corps. Who was super happy with you. That same major who told me, pull my application you know, weeks earlier. Hey, you're not going to pick you. We're not going to send you. You're stuck. Yeah. And he goes, this is major, you know, umpty frats. He goes, well, God dang it. A miracle of all miracles. The Blue Angel somehow picked you. I got to send your ass F-18 training. <laughs> when do you want to go? I said, tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> oh, like, that's so, an awesome story. Yeah, anyway, I saw it. Was, it really was just a sheer luck, right time, right place. Who knows why they pick you? I got lucky. Uh, that's awesome, dude. You know, and I, what a uh, great up, story. Yeah, man. So That is cool. But Well, do you have a minute or two to talk to us about flying with the Blues? Yeah, certainly. So real quick, so I, I get sent to Cecil Field, right? VFA-106, the Gladiators, was at Cecil, Florida at the time. Now they're, you know, of course, in Virginia Beach. That was a rag, and, that was a rag right? That the was a rag, yeah. So they, yeah. I got, man, like, and I, I'm an ASAP. I mean, the Blues uh, have priority for a lot of stuff, you know, and you get treated pretty well. So I show Pensacola, they sent me to, to Cecil Field with the Navy guy, who's an, also not a Hornet guy. He's a A6E pilot, LSO type, really good guy, daddy. And so Daddy and I show up and we made a pact. Hey, we, you know, VFA 106 is a huge rag, Marines and Navy, yeah. IPs and students. I said, just don't tell anybody. Don't wear any blue angels. Because the blue angels gave us all kinds of blue angel patches and shit and all, all kinds of shit, you yeah. know, jackets and stuff. Hey, we're going to wear green. Of course, we're wearing green suits. going to go incognito. We're just two knucklehead Navy Marine guys shit. coming Hit through that, yeah. you know, some kind of modified flight syllabus, you know, to go in. Nobody knows who we are. Don't even mention the blue angels. That was our goal. Yeah. Of course, some of the instructors had rushed against us, you know, so they kind of, some guys knew who we were, you know. So day one, we're at AOM. It's like, you know, 60, 70, 80 guys in this ready room, and the OPSO stands up. Uh, Mo, I think was his call sign. He's going through all the standard bullshit, and then he goes, all right. He goes, where are the Blues Brothers at? Oh, and shit. I go, oh, my God, no. And Danny, I look at each other. He goes, oh, and there's somewhere. You guys are here. We're wearing khakis and, you know, Charlie's day one, you know. Yeah. God damn it, the Blues Brothers are here somewhere. Stand up, you knuckleheads. And we wouldn't stand up. He goes, God damn it, Lieutenant, you know, you know, hey, Daddy and Lawman, stand up. Shit, so we stand up. Everybody's looking at us. He goes, <laughs> these two guys with the newest Blue Angel uh, pilot selections, they're here to fly. They're not Hornet guys, so we're going to give them about 20-some hours in a Hornet, so treat them nicely. Be nice to them. <laughs> and good luck. And everybody's looking. Now, some guys... I, I got told by a good friend of mine who worked in ops, schedule writer. He goes, hey, lawman. He goes, I got to warn you, man. He goes, some guys are gunning for you here. Wondering how the hell a Harrier guy flying the A-4 got picked to be the Blues. So just so you know, right. I got guys lined up who had to do part of the syllabus was six basic fighter maneuver sorties, you know, dogfighting, 1v1. Yeah. BFMs, yeah. BFM. He goes, I got, I got guys, everybody who's a qualified ACM instructor is lined up saying, put me up against lawman. I'm going to see what he's got. He goes, man, so the oh, gauntlet's geez. thrown, man. Here we go. I'm going, hey, yeah, here we go. You know, so I get through, uh, I got through that. Uh, and, you know, if you could fly the Harrier well and the A4 uh, well, and I was an ace, both a Harrier ACTI Air Combat Tax Instructor and an A4 yeah. mic, the very last A4 mic ACTI myself and another guy. 
Um, you can you probably, you can, you probably did okay. Geometry, because now you, you have a you have a handicapped jet, and you used to fly to you know Harrier could do some magical stuff, but it's not a Hornet or a Viper, right? Right. You know, and so you're always working really hard in a Harrier to get the best you can out of that jet. So you take that, you know, and put it in a Hornet, this magic airplane, you can do pretty well, you know. So nice. I didn't embarrass myself, thankfully. And one thing I did stupid at the RAG was uh, uh, had all weather intercepts, you know. You had to, you know, you had to do that. Yes. And I had, you know, zero radar time. Right. Cause all right. I flew was cold right. nose day attacks. Yeah. You, 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 all three of us, my friend, we, now I'm like, what the hell man? I got to fly the radar. Oh shit. So they gave me uh, some ground school and they put me in this, uh, simulator trainer, partial task trainer with some retired Navy guy and a, you know, Colton tie. And he does his homework. He goes, hey, what are you here for? What kind of syllabus? I said, I'm on a Cat 4 modified. He goes, what does that mean? I go, well, I'm going to get about 25 hours in the jet and then go, go fly with the Navy squadron. He goes, well, what kind of Navy? You going to China Lake or what? He goes, no, I'm going. He goes, what, what are you going to do? Boy, he goes, okay, I'm going to go to the Blue Angels. I go, Blue Angels? He goes, you're going to use a damn radar on the Blue Angels? This is a waste of time. <laughs> I go, I, I think so too, but I'm here. I'm supposed to have like four of these intercept training sorties, two hours each in this box. He goes, we're wasting time. He goes, if you're up for it, I'll show you how to use the radar, turn it on, show you some shit in the HUD and the, and the radar, and then I'll sign you off if you want, and you'll be done. You go fly the jet. They go, sign me off, brother. So he showed me a few basic things, and then the next night, I mean, ops, all they see is that, hey, Captain Hancock is sim complete. Put him on the schedule. So I get put on the night schedule for actual all-weather intercept sortie at night oh, with an instructor. I'm in a single-seat. Instructor's going to be the pig in the middle with a navy lieutenant as the other student we're going to swap out right no so go through this really detailed brief and he's grilling this other lieutenant student the real student yeah on the sparrow sidewinder parameters and radar intercept geometry and the calls i'm like i'm just taking notes man this student's talking i'm i'm writing down notes on my kneeboard card (laughs) right he said i'm gonna put you on the far end lawn man feet wet i'll be in the middle and the student be uh near the shore and we'll you know swap out so we take off i go you know 100 miles off the coast in the whiskey area and then the student does first and i'm literally taking notes of what the student is saying and doing you know i'm going to mimic that best i can and the shooting you know it's supposed to be a ford uh a bvr shot sparrow shot to a stern conversion fox two sidewinder kill stern right all, all on radar all on radar yeah 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 at night yeah, yeah. so uh and we never did we didn't fight at night in the area right no yeah, never no. did that shit hell we we bombed under flares at night and that was yeah, an yeah, emergency yeah. So I'm out there like, oh, my God, I'm going to get it down on this already. And so uh student does a really good job. Uh, okay, Lawman, you ready? Yeah, Lawman's ready in the east. Uh, IP's ready in the middle. And uh, fight's on tape, so we turn in. And you know, this is nighttime along the uh, uh, Florida coastline. And there's all kinds of traffic out there. You know, it's not just the three of us. I, my radar is picking up all kinds of targets. I lock a guy up, and you're supposed to do a, you know, brat call, barren range, altitude target aspect. Lawman's got a target. And I call out my, he goes, that's not your target. He goes, damn it. And you know, unlock that guy and grab another guy. You meantime, we're motoring each other. Going at, from LaGuardia to Palm, West Palm. Or yeah, yeah. It's right. probably, probably, probably you or somebody else out there. And a United guy or an American guy or FedEx or somebody. I locked on to three or four different targets and it wasn't my target. In the meantime, we're closing the gap. I'm like, shit. So I go, man, I'm going to play the Harrier game. I'm going to go to the bottom of my block. We're in blocks, right? Yeah. I'm going go to offset 30 degrees right go bottom of my block and look for an anti-call light about where this guy should be. And sure yeah. should I see an anti-call light, I point foresight him, get a radar lock and uh, call the short range Fox one, you know, 
of despair, which I've never done before in my life, you know. And then I visually, visually pull to a six, get a tone on the sidewinder. Yeah. Box two kill, yeah. F-18, 15,000, Angels 15, heading to what, you know, east. That's a kill. Yeah. Good job, long man. <laughs> we, did, <laughs> we did two or three of those, and then we knock it off, go back and debrief. And he grilled. He pulled the student's tape, looked at every second of it. Thank God he didn't pull my tape. He just seen his complete bullshit. I was fumbling my way through that bullshit my way through it, you know, doing hairier offset tactics, you know, just to visually point at a guy and shoot him. Anyway, so I get to the Hornet rag and I get to the blues uh, as a qualified Hornet guy, about 25 hours in the jet. Uh, And uh, we're getting ready to go to an air show that I get there on a Wednesday, Thursday, they're going to transit to El Paso, Texas for an air show, the current team, which is a very end of season, really tight. They got their shit together, you know? Yeah. And we're going to bird dog. I'm going to do right. seat. just watch these guys, you know, watch and learn. So the opsil thumper says, Hey, lawman, he points to a jet on the flight line. He goes, see that on uh, that blue jet out there with no number on it. He goes, take that jet to El Paso tomorrow through Abilene, Texas, Dias air force base. That's our spare jet. Now we got, you know, spare pilots. We got spare single seat jets instead of the two seat number seven jet. It's yeah. a good deal for them. He goes, land and die is 30 minutes prior to the team. Not 31 minutes, not 29 minutes, and land in front of the team 30 minutes in El Paso. You got it? I said, yes. I go, what about how you guys launch? He goes, I don't have time for this shit. Go talk to a crew chief. Get that jet <laughs> to El Paso. And you know what his final words are me? No. Guess what? Don't, don't fuck, fuck it, it up. up. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Don't <laughs> fuck it up. I saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. So I, I go down and talk to a crew chief because the Blue Angels do a, a very choreographed launch. Right. Even for right. single. Every uh, time. It's the same time. way every time. Yep. Right. The smoke and all that is very different than a fleet to- uh, Hornet launch. I go, so plane cabin crew chief talks me through it. And so I'm nervous as shit. I get to smart pack the team that put together for me, you know, it was a, you know, no wind smart pack for fuel and time and distance to dais and then they'll pass on. I've got that Follow my flight plan, blue angel, I'm to frats. And I walk and as a newbie, you can't wear the flight suit, which are tailor made by a shop in Pensacola called Feminine Flares, a ladies' bikini shop. Nice. But the guy there had the contract, Sam. And you you, you went to this ladies' bikini shop, swimwear nice. shop, to get fitted in yes. Blue Angel flight suits. It was <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> but you can't wear them except for 10 minutes prior to walking to a jet as a, as a newbie pilot, part of the okay. you know harassment package. Yeah. So I'm wearing my Charlie's. 10 minutes prior to – I need to walk to my jet – I go downstairs to the locker room where I put my flight suit hours earlier and all my stuff, you know, ready to go fly. And I'm on the clock, right? Yeah. I got to be there 30 minutes prior to the team. And uh, I start putting my flight suit on. I can't get my flight suit on because some other pilot has stapled all the legs and arms together with hundreds of staples. (laughs) Every, the arms and legs are stapled together. You can't get your arm or legs through this flight suit. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) So I'm pulling staples like a mother. Yeah. I finally get this flight suit on, boots, grab my bag, walk toward the jet. I got, I was pulling staples out all the way to El Paso, Texas. Yeah. I, you know, pulling them out. I couldn't get them all out. Oh my God. These things are sticking to me all over the place. I get to the jet. I'm determined to fly to spring. I heard about the spring, you know, 30 plus pounds of force on the stick, the blues fly away. So I had to yeah. spring in there and I, I taxi out somehow more actually, and I take off. Uh, first time in the blue jet, solo, cross country to yeah. Dias with a team 30 minutes behind me. And I flew that spring for about 20 minutes. I go, you got to be shitting me. 
these guys fly an air show. And I go, my God, how do they, how do they pull G's? So just so there may be some non-aviators listening. So yeah. this spring you're talking about, it's like a bungee cord that has what, like Grip 30 or 40 pounds. It, worth it, of they pressure? can adjust it, but, but, uh, about midway through at least winter training, it's up to the final four is uh, four holes they can adjust the tension on. But basically, if I recall right, it was four mechanical springs. It was like an old exercise, one of those bungees you exercise for chest, you know, okay. pull. Yes, yes. Uh, tension. And they would take the electronic countermeasures uh, panel out of the, uh, the, in between, but in forward of the stick, you know, console. Yeah. And they would attach this mechanical device that some engineer at Pax River came up with. Because they found out that the fly-by-wire flight controls in the F-18 uh, didn't work well enough. You would lose some backstick authority on the backside of a loop in some cases, you know. So the fly-by-wire logic with the full nose-down trim, they called it FND. Every other Blue Angel airplane in the history of the team, they flew FND, full nose-down trim. Take the cool cat, run the trim all the way to a stop. Wow. Phantoms, A4s, F-11s, we name it. And that gave you an artificial force. So you can hold yeah. still. And the whole purpose is... Is fighter airplanes, even go back to World War II fighters, are highly maneuverable, very sensitive. And you want them to be a highly maneuverable jet in a fighter combat sure. environment. You don't want to be ultra sensitive when you're flying two, three feet and sometimes closer, uh, rolling the loop in, in close proximity of the jets. The jet's too sensitive. The stick's too sensitive. You breathe on it, it moves. It moves the jet. It moves you. You know, you're out of position or you're hitting each other. So you right. want this force that you either, I'm either holding what I got with a lot of force. I'm going to relax this little bit in pitch, or I can pull this little. You could really finesse it with 30 pounds of force on a stick. It does yeah. work. It allows you to fly very close to other jets and control the jet primarily in pitch. You are really hold what you got without, you know, or re relax a little bit or pull a little more. It really does work, but it's a, a bear to get used to. Okay. And, and, so, and could you, could you take the tension off? No, you couldn't take it off. You could actually trim more into it. They, changed they had blue angel software that was different for the blue angel jets blue software they basically called it you could run more trim down if you, some guys the bigger guys i never really did that to be honest with you i was really struggling with what i had but a couple of guys like snooze my you know, le number three left wing my first year big guy these guys were all my first year the next smallest guy was six two and 215 oh my then gosh. there was law man five eight yeah. 145 pounds. Yeah. You, you, you and I were the same and, size at the oh, same yeah, time. I was, man, it was, I mean, for the big guys, they struggled. <laughs> right. Uh, there was a phantom pilot, famous burner who was famous. And I actually met him in, uh, last year at Pensacola air show and asked him about the legend of uh, this, what he did. He was so, he was struggling in the phantom, which is a big manly jet to stay in formation. Uh, the one hour, sometimes one plus uh, training stories twice a day, when a training six days a week, twice a right. day. I mean, it's just, it's painful physically. And uh, he couldn't do it. He, his hand and arm would give out. He couldn't complete a training sortie. He says, hey, Burner, you've got to finish a sortie. We've got to cut you loose, brother, and bring somebody else back. You, you, gotta, you can't not finish the training sortie with us. you got to right. do yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. A lot of desperation. He secretly had his crew chief bring ordnance tape, and he taped his hand to the stick with ordnance tape. Wow. <laughs> now, if he had, had had to eject... Oh, it'd be Which happened in a Phantom, especially they lost a lot of airplanes. Uh, he was going to lose that arm. Yeah. But Burner was willing to give up his right arm to be successful with the Blue Angels. That's how desperate guys could be. I'd it give was my painful. right arm to be a blue. Wow. Yeah, man, exactly, yeah. So uh, I flew with that thing for a while, uh, and I go, holy cow, it was worse than I thought. And I was pretty fit, you know. I was a strong, fairly healthy Marine. Sure. So I took the spring off and just flew like a regular F-18, fleet F-18, on my way to Dias, right? 
So the the plan they gave me was a no-win plan. Well, I got wind in the face. So I'm looking at fuel and doing my calculations. You know, I don't want to screw this up my first cross country in a blue jet. And the winds at Dias talking to Mitra on the way was 90 degrees off this long, you know, 12,000 foot Air Force runway, but 90 degrees off from the north at 30 gusting to 35. Now I said, well, you got to be kidding me. The F-18 crosswind limit is 30 knots. (laughs) They go, come on, God, give me a break. My first landing a blue jet, I'm at the limits or maybe exceeding the limits of the crosswind. Come on. So I think, man, if the winds don't, or my fuel was right about maybe 2.0 and overhead, uh, SOP for the Blue Angels was be overhead the airfield at 2,000 pounds of gas. I think I might barely be there with 2,000 pounds plus the winds. I go, I got to have plan B. So I'm starting looking at, you know, pulling on my charts and then, hey, what's a, a decent alternate I can divert to short of Dias Air Force Base? So I call Mitchell, find a place. I can't recall what it was. It's north. And I, and I formulate my plan. I got a gold note to a certain, some point. I said, okay, if I get to this tack in fix and I don't have this much gas, or the winds aren't kind of close to 30 knots, I'm diverting north or whatever. And so I thought I had a great plan, right? It makes sure. sense as a fleet guy, right? Sure. And so if yeah. you're a fleet guy and you're 30 minutes ahead of your squadron mates and you got this essay maybe they don't have on winds and weather and, and fuel, what are you going to do? You're going to call, call back and Yeah, so yeah. I call boss. I knew they're freaks. I get on the six-plane Delta, Blue Angel Delta Formation Freak, common. Boss, lawman. And there's a pause. Yeah, bo- this, this is boss, lawman, go ahead. And I went on, you know, I, you know, blah, 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 about the winds and the weather and crosswind and bingo fuel and alternate and all this. And I think I'm being a hero. Right. Telling the boss, all this, I've already got suitcases. Passing on to him all this global essay. Yes. You know, yes. he says, hey, thanks, lawman, you know, great job. Appreciate that. There's a long pause at the end of my little tirade. And then Dino, the six foot four, very imposing slot potted, comes on the radio and goes, Well, man, get the fuck off this frequency and never talk to the boss again. <laughs> I go, oops. I didn't even I didn't even mic click that. I didn't like that like, click click. Click click. No. I didn't like, even say copy Roger, nothing. I just like shit. Shit. He was serious. He yeah. Pissed. Yeah. yeah. Well, what the fuck? Did I That's a show that? title there. Never talk to the boss again. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully I landed dias. I, I I continue. I get that you know, go no go porn. I go, shit, I'm I'm pressing, man. I'm gonna roll the dice. I get the dice. If I ripped the gear the off Harrier, this airplane, they a, told me. <laughs> yeah. If in the Harrier, remember if you flew a a rolling type landing, you would fly. You would crab into the winds, wings yep. level, crab the approach, and then yep. kick out half the crab in close, right? Remember that right. technique? Yep. yep. Believe yep. it or not, the F-18 NATOPs, identical. I didn't know that because the A-4 Mike was winged down top rudder. Right. Yeah. You know? The Hornet was a wings level, crab the approach, kick out half the crab angle in close. They go, shit, I've done this in Harriers. I'm going to try this in Hornet. Of course, in the Harrier, I know you may be doing 60-knot rolling vertical landing. Yep. Now I'm doing 135 knots in a Hornet. Right. Facing, you know, landing this way, facing, you know, 40 degrees up this way. This just looks weird. It looks a lot. It looks bad. I'm looking out the side window to the runway going, this doesn't look right. But I go, I'm going to roll the dice. Nate Tau's manual says this. I've never done it, but here we go. So riding close, I kick about half the crab angle out. And that F-18, man, what a beautiful jet. Not like the Harrier where you're going down the runway, crowning with the outriggers. Tipping it up on one wing, tipping it up on one down. 
yeah. trying to go to power nozzle braking and not screwing things up and you know shitty brakes no drag shooting no tail hook right and the harrier on a fast land in the horn and man this thing the monster landing gear it lands beautifully it tracks straight down the runway like like no big deal wow. got great brakes I go, oh, that was not an event shit that was nothing i taxi <laughs> clear and i run in the base officer goes fuel my jet and get me the hell out of here <laughs> of they got this they think I'm a blue angel. I'm, no, I'm not really a blue angel. I'm wearing a blue suit. I'm flying a blue jet, but <laughs> I'm not one. I'm, I'm a knucklehead new guy, man. Just get me gas and get me out of here before they, they see me. <laughs> yeah. So, sure, shit. The, you know the blues land behind me, and I thank God I was out of there quick. I landed 30 minutes prior, and I made the timeline. I got the hell out of there, and I flew to El Paso. And thank God I didn't dick it up. I get to El Paso and deliver the jet. Then I got changed back into my Charlies. Right. Team lands. We go to the debrief. They got to debrief the transit, right? Sure. And I'm waiting there, on the, like a quiet as mouse on the sidelines, uh, and uh, they go around the table, and it gets to Dino, and Dino number four goes right long man. He goes, God damn it! You know why you can't talk to the boss? I said, No, sir. He goes, I didn't know this. He goes, The Blue Angels, even on a cross country, even when they they get there out, they take the springs off and they fly like the fleet, but they go to fleet parade, you know, nice mm-hmm. loose formation. They can relax. They're not flying with 30 pounds all the way across the country. Yeah. They come off the spring, but the boss still talks as if he's flying a maneuver, which means he comes one degree left or two degrees right. He's saying, coming left, one degree, coming right, two degrees. And nobody moves your jets until the boss keys the mic and says what he's doing. He can't climber descend 20 feet. 100 feet. He can't, if you know, ATC, hey, Blue Angel 1, uh, descend, maintain flight level 320. You know, he can't move the jet until he keys the mic and says, ease and power, a little drive. And then all six jets move based on his words, letters, cadence. Right. They don't just fly like fleet parade, boss does what he wants to do, and all just kind of follow him, you know? Yeah. Uh, none of that. They don't move the jet. Boss doesn't crack a throttle, move the jet without talking. So all six jets are suspended in space while you're yapping on about fuel. And <laughs> we can't turn one fucking degree left or right. Or you Don't know, talk to the boss. <laughs> I go, I, go oh, I got it now. Yeah. Never so, talk to the boss again. So they said, now, little man, put your damn flight suit back on. You're going to be in my backseat for this practice show. Oh, man, cool. I get to finally... Fly in a Blue Angel jet in a show, man. It's gonna be. This is what I signed so up for. So you're right? flying with Dino in the slot. I'm in Dino in the slot. Right. This is a very accomplished, experienced end of season team. They're tight. Yeah. These guys got their shit together. Yeah. I jump in Dino's back seat, and we get on the runway, and we uh, do the burner uh, uh, takeoff or the afterburner loop on takeoff. And as soon as uh, uh, Two and three and four and boss are airborne. Dino is sliding underneath the number two jet. I could have literally reached up, got any fudge was flying that jet. Yeah, fudge uh, last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last name Packer. Last yeah. great guy, great guy, yeah. Navy pilot, Alaskan yeah. Airlines captain. Fudge is flying number two, and I could have literally have touched his jet without a canopy <laughs> sliding there. I'm going, oh my god, <laughs> into the slot, and the boss's afterburners are you know right behind us, kind of. I was like, loud as shit, and up we go, and they were in a tight diamond three foot set, maybe tighter up over the top, down to maybe 150 foot, 200 foot AGL bottom. I'm watching all this metal in my face. I got wing tips in my face. Boss's jet is right there. I'm watching, I'm looking at, you know, fudges and uh, number three snooze left wing, their faces in total concentration. What, you know, there's, they're, they're flying paint. All they're looking at is boss. Yeah. And uh, boss is talking to sing song, rhythmic, you know, walk in the park. Everything's cool. You know, 
thing they do, how they talk and fly. And my first thoughts on the backside of that loop pointing vertical nose down and diamond set looking at the runway thinking, we're going to hit the frigging ground. Yeah, there's That's no way we're going to pull out of this. I go, right? we're going to hit the ground. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> All this so I could die? I go, I grabbed, I knew where the seat adjust was and I lowered the seat to get away from the wingtips of my, who were right there on top of my canopy. Because you know, the F-18 is a living wing and it's flexing. Yeah. And I go, and my first thoughts weren't, I'm not kidding, weren't, oh, this is cool as shit, man. I'm going to be a Blue Angel pilot. This is going to be the greatest things ever. My first thought was, oh, my God, they picked the wrong guy. Right. These guys are crazy. I go, this is insane. <laughs> I, go, I go, how do I, I'm thinking, how do I, after we land, how do I just respectfully and quietly D-O-R, like drop on request? Right. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for the ride. Yeah. It's been great. I'm out, too, but I'm, I'm out. out of here. Go back and get Snake. It's not too late. Bring Snake back over here. <laughs> I go, holy shit, what have I got? And then I got a solo ride the next day with Thumper um, and a two-seat number five. And that thing, you know, getting no G-suit. Nobody's wearing a G-suit. Right. And, and, and the Diamond guys pull Gs, too, especially on the rendezvous. But you're pulling uh, seven and a half Gs, limit to pull, limit to pull, limit to pull, limit to pull, rapid onset rate, negative G, eyeball out kind of stuff. Yeah. Completely lost, clueless to clown. Where what are we doing? Trying oh, to stay right. away. Yeah, you do long, long inverted. Uh, oh man, well, down and, the runway. Uh, oh, and then yeah, and uh, Thumper Lee Solo does a the min radius turn, which is like about twenty three seconds at seven and a half G's. If you are not straining properly with no G suit, you will be out. You're take a nap. Cold. Yeah. You're gonna take a nap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was my introduction to flying the Blue Angels was as a newbie, just watching them and going, "Holy shit, hang on." Right. And then um, I can tell you about day one if you want. You got time here about my yeah. first actual day as the Blue Angel number two. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. loving so it. So the team has a uh, position meeting, and as a newbie, you're not a part of that team uh, meeting. They so Daddy and I are outside. They have a position meeting. They look at your background, whatever else they kind of factor into, it, and they go, "Okay, we need a number two pilot this year, and we need a narrator." So, and traditionally, the, the Marine has been over the years had been the right wingman. It's a two year position, which is yeah. good for the Marines because you don't want Marines to have a three-year tour because typically only one Marine gets to be on the team. So now you're waiting every three years to give another guy a chance. So yeah, typically two-year tour is the right way to go. And the Navy really covers the slot position, number four. So traditionally the three, not always, but we've had Marine three fours, even recently. Traditionally, the, during my time, the, the three was Navy slot because the next year three goes to four. And the slot pilot is a very, very important position on the team. Uh, safety pilot really runs the, the the diamond and the delta and there's a safety check for the boss and it really backs up the boss and trains the boss quite a bit especially a first year boss so i was expecting to be number two uh, at that point and i was given number two which is a pretty good deal because you're right to a flying slot right i'm not narrating daddy got to be the narrator so he'll narrate for a year fly the number seven jet do all the vip media rides and all that and then he'll fly so I go right to number two. Hey, lawman, you give me number two. So I start bird dogging number two, and I get a backseat ride with Fudge to see from his perspective what, what he's doing. And now I'm talking to Fudge a lot because at the end of the season, on Saturday the air show in Pensacola, the next day, Sunday, if you're an old guy, you're gone. Your parking spot, your name is ripped off the, the you know the chain link fence. <laughs> I heard that once. Yeah, yeah you man. walk out, and you back out of your spot, and your name comes down. You're oh, done. Oh, yeah, man. You clean your desk out on Sunday. Get your shit out of here. You're, you're done. A, you're an explo angel. You're done. No kidding. And then yeah. Monday. I mean, it's once a blue, always a blue, right? Yeah, but man, you, you, know, you, yeah, you are not on the team walking, anymore. But, but you're off the team, man. Go. Go away. Yeah. 
yeah. pack your shit and go. So uh, yeah. Monday morning, we start training for the 1994 season. I mean, the, the last air show for 93 was Saturday. Sunday's a day off. Monday morning, we're doing two days. Wow. Talk about hitting the ground running. Well, that seems about as good a place as any to uh, break it up for uh, for this week, uh, Lawman. and thank you for joining us. We've got a couple more shows that we're going to do with you before it's all said and done, I know for sure. I want to say also thanks to all of you listeners who are doing something that is humbling to us. One, you're listening, and we know you've got over 3 million podcasts from which to choose, but choosing ours and listening to us is humbling and an honor, so thank you. The other thing you've been doing, and I would ask you to please keep doing, is sharing this show with other people whom you know will enjoy a good aviation tale. That is also humbling uh, to us. One of the best ways to help our ratings is if you are using any Apple devices is to use the Apple Podcaster app. That helps our numbers. And also from the Apple Podcaster app, if you go down to the bottom of the show, there's a place to give us a nice five-star rating and perhaps a review. Reviews and ratings help us a lot get our show bumped up in Apple, so it uh, helps us keep growing. Personally, I prefer Overcast as a method of listening to my podcasts. One of the cool things about it is it will allow you to vary the playback speed of the podcast. You can listen at one and a quarter speed, one and a half speed. But somehow it shifts it so we don't sound like chipmunks when uh, when you're listening to a, an accelerated playback. And it also gets rid of the dead spaces in the show. If there's a pause, then it automatically skips that pause and keeps keeps you in the verbal portion of the show, as it were. I also want to let you know how to reach out to us. If you either want to reach out to one of our guests, we can put you in touch with them. Or you can give us feedback directly. You can reach FIG via email at fig at so there I was dot us or me at repeat at so there I was dot us and you can follow us on Facebook at so there I was dot us slash Facebook or on Twitter so there I was dot us slash Twitter thank you also to our sponsor Robin's bird brain designs she is doing a really cool thing for Christmas this year if you want a custom gift for somebody to show them you've put a lot of thought and effort into it get some custom etched slate coasters you can get your squadron logo on a call sign or some aircraft instruments and a tail number, anything along those lines. Work with Robin at Robin's Bird Brain Designs to get a custom gift done just for you and that person that you want to uh, show that you've spent a lot of time and thought on getting them something special. You can see the link to Robin's Bird Brain Designs on our sponsors page. So there I was dot us and then there's a link right at the top for sponsors. We do have a glossary page up on so there I was dot us. So if we mentioned a term that you didn't hear or didn't understand, I should say, go and look for it there. Special thanks also this week and every week to Dos Gringos. Dos Gringos are letting us use their music for our podcast. These are two former Air Force fighter pilots who started playing guitar together and it it got crazy from there look forward to having them on the show here in the very near future thanks also to dave hamilton over at the mac geek gab he hosts that podcast which is a great tech podcast you can find them at mgg.fm or macgeekgab.com in the meantime we'll see you next week stay safe man it's over now about four hours into the flight well i got a little nervous because it was still night i'm on the wing of the tanker man and I got a piss So I started fucking with the jaws of death And before I knew it, well I was out of breath Pissed off a cursing and saying to hell with this 
and I seriously consider just pissing my pants. So, finally got the fly undone, and I knew the next part would be twice as fun. Trying to get the gopher to pop on out of his hole.